This episode of the Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Sales Leadership United. Sales Leadership United is the world's largest collection of sales leadership assets. Sales leadership frameworks, mindset tools, skill set tools, performance coaching, sales leadership training tools, video insights with some of the world's most successful sales leaders, tools used by sales leaders to create massive impact in the current environment. So don't waste your time trying to reinvent sales leadership. Head to Sales Leadership United on Patreon and check out what the world's most complete collection of sales leadership assets can do for you. Every topic you'll ever need and the tools to help you accelerate your sales leadership career all in one place. Check out Sales Leadership United today. Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders who are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders of teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and creating life-changing years for the people they lead. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. We help sales leaders make how they lead their most defensible competitive advantage. It doesn't matter if you're a new manager, a first-time VP of sales, or a seasoned sales leadership executive. Tap into the power of coaching with people who have been there, done that. If you've ever wondered how other people with jobs similar to yours are addressing challenges you're facing now, reach out to the Jepson Performance Group and learn why sales leaders all around the world choose us as their performance partner. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello, and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, I'm excited to welcome Toby Oluwole to the show. Toby's a sales manager at Shopify and has done amazing work helping build a high-performance team that's had remarkable success. The cool thing about what Toby's done is he's built this team from scratch. He's helped them grow. He's built them piece by piece. And now this team is having remarkable success in the SMB space. And I can't wait to dive into it with him. So Toby's in the middle of making things happen with teams of all shapes and sizes in this online space. And Toby's had incredible success working with salespeople and sales leaders find more fulfillment create intentional improvement, and ultimately transform their careers. Uh, we're going to give him an opportunity to talk about some of the ways that he does these things. But for me, Toby's someone that I've been following for a while now. I'm a fan of his insights that he shares with the sales community. I've been working to get him on the show for a long time, and I'm so glad he's finally here. And if you can't tell, I'm pumped to get this thing started. So Toby, welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, and thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, man. I'm so glad we were able to make this happen. It was a, a work in progress. <laughs> no doubt. And uh, and I'm glad you're here because the things we're going to talk about today, I think, are super timely. Like if we'd have done it at the end of last year, it would have been great. But I actually think it might be even more timely given what's going on in the sales world right now. So 100%. Uh, so why don't you start by introducing yourself? we got 50,000 listeners here on the Sales Leadership Podcast that I'd love to introduce yourself to, to our listeners and, and tell them who you are and what you do for your customers. Yeah, for sure. So my, uh, my name is Toby. Uh, full name is Oluwa Toby Loba. I'm from Nigeria, uh, nice. the Yoruba tribe in Nigeria. And essentially, I moved to Canada at 15, uh, did a year of high school, went to Carleton. Um, and when I graduated, started working in sales, um, eventually got into Shopify in 2020. 
and that was when things really started to shift, um, learn how to build my own businesses that I started uh, a company called three skills in 2019, helping people uh, build their careers. Um, that really took off in 2020 when I started posting on LinkedIn every day. Uh, and then I built another company called founders blueprint. Uh, once my LinkedIn was going to help founders get off the ground with organic content. Um, now I do startup advising coach. Um, I play a lot of soccer. I play a lot of FIFA and I watch a lot of soccer and I travel a lot. So, uh, it's all just coming together now. <laughs> you Ted Lasso fan? I'm not, you know what? I've watched it. I watched one episode, but I never got into the whole thing. Oh I, man. Uh, I know. That. I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I, uh, you, you go to the soccer route and I'm sorry. I had to think of Ted Lasso. I think it's a great leadership show. So anyway, <laughs> I'm super excited to have you, Toby. I, I like, I can't wait to learn a little more about your businesses and, and uh, we'll make it easy for at the end for people to get a hold of some of the resources because you do have a lot of great resources for for people yeah. at different levels in sales. And I love your focus on finding more fulfillment and finding more success. And and I think that's going to be a, a great way for us to kind of transition into what we're going to talk about. But I have one more question I want to ask you before. You, you gave us the high level on your story, how you moved to Canada, et cetera. But how'd you get into sales, man? I always like getting people's like one or two minutes on you know, why sales? Most of the time I find, you know, you probably grew up wanting to be a soccer guy is what I'm guessing if you're still playing yeah. all the time. Yeah. So, so how'd you land in sales? So, I mean, what happened was uh, I, I grew up from two parents that were entrepreneurs, grandparents were entrepreneurs. Uh, and so 15, I find out that I can buy candy for 10 bucks a box and sell it for a dollar per you know, and uh, I tasted profit for the first time. And every year from when I was 15, I would have some sort of side hustle. I would sell Yeezys or flip iPhones or flip couches or, you know, do boot camps, whatever I could find. And a lot of that was selling, just, you know, create a poster, sell the dream, sell the product and all that. And so in 2015, I ended up getting into hoverboards and I really? would like ride these. Yeah, I would ride these hoverboards around the city. And people would stop me and be like, oh, where'd you get this? And I'd pull out my little Shopify account. I'd sell it to them right there on the spot. Tell them to come no pick way. it up on Saturday. Yeah. Um, and so I did that. I, I think I made something like $10,000, $20,000 doing that. And I put it on my resume when I was graduating school in 2016. You know, generated $10,000 selling hoverboards. You know, did this, this, and this for marketing. Did this, this, and this uh, to generate interest. And a, I started applying to hundreds of jobs and I only got two interviews. I got an interview at Lululemon for their sales team. And I got an interview at a tech company for their sales team. Um, and I chose to go for the tech company interview and they were on the same day. And uh, the guy was like, listen, if you can sell hoverboards, you can sell technology. And if you can sell hoverboards the way you've explained to me, I feel like you'll be our top record. And so that was how I got into sales. He's like, I'll give you $40,000 base salary a year. I was like, what? <laughs> I didn't even read it twice. I was like, 40,000. Are you crazy? You know, and that was, that was how I got in sales. Love it. What a great story. I love, I always love hearing people's stories on how they, they found the, our profession. I, I I'll, I'll go to my grave saying it's the greatest profession in the world when, <laughs> when we do it right. There's yeah, some people 100%. that never figure out how to do that. And I think that's <laughs> what, what we're going to talk about today. So so let's let's get after it, man. The time's gonna go fast. I, I it, yeah. I, I'm excited for this topic so much, and I love your energy. I love like the, your approach to this. 
on multiple occasions, because as you know, I follow you on LinkedIn. I I like your stuff. I'm I'm a fan. Um, I've seen you mention multiple times. That's what made me reach out to you. That your role is to create top performers. Your role is to help create an environment where people are successful. Uh, you have a lot to a lot of points of view on percentage of people that hit goal and things like that. And and, and so I'm really interested in that, that you think the role of a sales leader and that your role in particular is to help create top performers. That's your purpose. Like, how do I help people perform at really high levels? So before we get into like your your blueprint on how to do that, which I think we got a lot of sales leaders that will be interested in some of your insights there. Why did you focus on that role and that purpose as a leader of salespeople? I think, you know, being a salesperson. So, you know, the first thing is, I ended up working in sales companies that either kept doing layoffs or didn't have product market fit, or, you know, I struggled to hit my quota. I wasn't a great sales rep and um, I had some great bosses, right? So when I got into sales leadership, um, what I realized was there are some people that were just created to be great at sales. Like they came out of the freaking womb they were selling as a baby, you know, like, and then there's a huge chunk of people that stumbled into the career and with the right leadership, they can actually become something. Right. Mm. Uh, and then there's people that are in the career that this is a stepping stone for their next thing that you need to recognize as soon as possible that they can be good here, but they'll actually be great somewhere else. And that time with you is really to help accelerate them being the best they can be in whatever they were created to do, right? And so once I got into sales leadership, I had to tap into all my volunteer leadership where I would mm. do, I did like five years of volunteer leadership where you had to find the right team for this kind of person, right? And there's no way to motivate them with money because it's volunteer leadership. Um, so how do you get someone to fit into the right role and then actually become the best person that they can be because they're in the right role, right? Um, and so once I started to coach people and all that stuff, I learned very early on, the best place to start is from the beginning. I make people go talk to their parents. What were you like as a three-year-old? Let's start with what you were gifted to do. Let's understand who you are. When you do an onboarding on my team, I'm asking, okay, what's your Enneagram personality type, right? Um, what are some things that you can do for long periods of time that energizes you? Uh, what actually fuels you when you're not working so that you can get a holistic picture? And within the first two weeks, I knew who my captain was. I knew who was going to leave me within a year. And I knew who was going to be the foundation of the team. Um, and then you build. And that's pretty much how I started to see like these average reps turn into stone cold killers. And I realized like it's man management right? You manage the person as opposed to the team, then mm -hmm. you actually are able to create better results and consistently. I really, really like that. You're the first person I've ever heard go there. That's this. I want to sit in this. I didn't know we were going to have this happen. Like, I really like that. Like the best place to start is at the beginning. What a simple, but super insightful way of looking at it. Like, <laughs> what was it like? What was it like that you were born to be, and, uh, and what motivated you? And and from the time you were young, and bring that like, 
how did you figure that out? Like that, I've never heard that before, but it seems so smart. Like, what, how, do you remember how like that, like was born to you? Because I, I think there's a lot of sales leaders that are probably going, huh, they're sticking their head to the side, like me going, huh? Like what <laughs> made you think of that? Because I'd like to explore that a little bit because that's something that maybe a lot of people could benefit from, right? Yeah, I, I think it, it actually started when I was younger, probably like 18, 19. I read a book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People back when I was very okay. ineffective. You know, okay. and uh, I was trying to figure out, like, how do I become this effective person? And uh, I don't remember anything from the book except for one part where he says, write your eulogy, write from the perspective of your wife, your kids, your community, your friends and your colleagues, what you want to be said about you at the end of your life. And I thought that was so profound. I took two or three days. And I wrote this three-page eulogy around, here's what I want to be said wow. about me at the end of my life. Toby was generous. He didn't miss important moments, right? And for example, he, he gave away cars and houses and all this other stuff. And I wrote that back when I was very broke. When I say broke, I mean like in debt, broke, bad credit, you know. Um, but I knew what the end of my life would look like. And by logic, if you can picture the end, you must also understand the beginning because you have to understand what you're starting with so that you can actually get there. And so I started having conversations with my mom and my dad and going, tell me about my childhood, but more importantly, tell me about your childhood. What was in my blood when I was born, right? And I realized like entrepreneurship was in my blood and humor was in my blood, people management, right? My grandparents were great at that, right? And, and all this stuff that were little tools that were given to me, and then I had the blueprint for the future and the, 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 the drawings, if you will, for the house I wanted to build. Um, and then everything in between was just, let's put it to work, right? So even when I coach people, everyone thinks I'm going to start with coaching them on their resume or their, you know, their interview skills. I'm like, no, no, let's go back. Let's actually go figure out what you were born with. You know, Naval calls it uh, to escape competition, embrace authenticity. If there's no second to you, then you're irreplaceable. Well, I'm going to ask that same thing I asked you. I love that story. So I want to go back and revisit the question now with that perspective in mind. Now, the way I wanted to start this before we get into it, because I feel like this is part of how you develop high performers is to get them to realize those things. I want to ask just one more, just make it really clear, because I think that role is what fuels everything. When you say, this is what my role is, that's how you identify, oh, well, if this is the role, then this is a high value activity. If this is the role, then this is what I need to prioritize. How did you get to the place? Because let me, let me, I guess, ask it through it just as clearly as I can. A lot of sales leaders think my role is to hit a number. My role is just to deliver a number to a company. But you don't think that. You think your role is to develop top performers individually. Right? That's an individual assignment. That's not like a collective assignment. How did you come to that thinking that your role is to develop top performers? I think it's from, again, my volunteer days where I had these really wild numbers, grow the team to this, you know, like, you know, recruit this many people, you know, when we do our outreach and things like that. And the goal was always too big, right? Ah. So it was just like, how, do, how am I supposed to get there? So then I started building really strong communities. I remember I built a team from 20 people to 100 people in five weeks once. And what? I, I used to do pizza parties and sleepovers and people just wanted to be a part of the team. So when we went to set the goal and, you know, I had this high goal, I, I beat it. 
right? There's so many people there to, to help us get to the goal, right? And so what I learned is if you want to hit the goal, the goal, you know, the number that you're supposed to hit for the, the company is the secondary target, not the primary target, because the people should always be the primary target. So it's not that you don't care about the number. I do care about the number. My team does not miss numbers. And, you know, if you call my boss right now, Emma, you ask her, she'll tell you. But nice. most importantly, my people know that they are backed, they are cared for, they are in the right place, their boss will back them, and they know that I will help help them become the best people they can be in this role, outside of this role. They understand that. And in that, you build two things. You build loyalty to the team and you build accountability to the team. So now they don't fail because they understand that they're part of something bigger than themselves. And in that, they got to hit their number, right? If I have someone falling behind, my top performer will text me and go, hey, this person is behind. I'm going to take this week and work with them. I don't need to set up, hey, you know, like, you know, this is what we need to do. And, you know, people are, no, no. This is part of the DNA of the team. That's how we hit the number. I like it a lot. You go back to that DNA of the team and that's how we build it. It's, it's such a, it makes perfect sense, but for whatever reason, you don't see that very often. I think there's so much pressure on the number that we forget about the people. I love how you said that. I, I You said the goal is a secondary target. The people are the primary focus and uh, that's, that's unique. So let's, let's talk a little bit about how you do that. If that's okay. We've, we've got, yeah. we've got a good chunk of time. Now that we've talked about your role and I'll challenge our listeners. Like, what do you think your role is? And I hope that your role starts with the development of people. I always think that development should be the primary role, but I love how you said it. Uh, I want to get to environment if that's okay. Like when you're going to build high performers and you, and your role is to build as many top performers as you can, what's the role of the environment around their success? Like you got all these people you're planting inside your environment. You're good at getting big teams put together and having them be successful. How do you build environments where the motivated people can be able to thrive? Forget about survive, but thrive. How do you do that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the first thing is as human beings, we will always, always follow a vision. We will always follow a vision. If there is a vision, you will see people. That's why it's so easy to start cults, right? And so- that's funny. This is the first time we've ever talked about a cult <laughs> on our show. That's all right. Let's but, go. But it, it's true, right? Like where there's a vision, right? People will. So when you, when we're starting the team and we're going, okay, how do we get people to buy in? I start with a vision. Here's where we're going. Can you talk about what a vision is just so we're on the yeah. same page? Because again, there's a lot of people that, you know, a vision probably isn't a best kept secret. Like what makes for a good vision? A good vision has the future in mind and a good enough reason to get to that future state, right? And so for me, when I joined the team, I explained to them, listen, I'm not here to hit quotas. I'm here to make you the best people that you can be. If you become the best person you can be, we will hit our quota, right? And so 
we start, like, if you go ask my team right now, we have a mantra, right? Here's the first thing on the mantra. We're going to exceed expectations without experiencing burnout. First thing, the, my first day there, we are going to exceed expectations and we are going to do it without experiencing burnout. Every single quarter, you can ask any rep that is a mantra on our team, right? And it has been there since the beginning. What does that sentence say? We're going to hit our accelerators, but I'm not going to lose you along the way. You get to take vacation. You have my trust to hit the quota, how you believe you should hit the quota, right? And so immediately we get buy-in, right? People understand like, hey, we're not going to be a loser team that doesn't hit our number. <laughs> we're also not going to be a team that hits our number and quits in month three. We're going to be a team that can actually... And then I also ask them, what kind of team do you want to be a part of? And they tell me, and we write it all down, right? I want to be a part, I want to be on the best team. Uh, I want to be on the, a, a team that is always recognized, right? We did that all week one, right? And so when you cast a vision, you must also invite people to participate in the vision, right? What kind of team do you want to be? Then I, in one-on-ones that we go, what kind of sales rep do you want to be, Right. Oh, I want to be a consistent top performer. Oh, I want to be uh, a person that people always come to for help. Oh, I want to be, and, and I buy into their vision. We always start with vision. People are, we're, as human beings, we can see, we can see into the future, right? And so these are the things people want to be. This is the team I want to build. And in starting there, they are immediately part of something bigger than themselves, immediately, right? And now you have buy-in. And then everything else becomes structure, accountability, systems. And we just keep going back to the beginning. Every week, what are we doing here? We're exceeding expectations without experiencing burnout, <laughs> right? Okay, how are we doing it? Okay, the, here's my QBR. Here's my quarterly business plan. Here's my uh, pipeline for this week. Okay, what are we doing? We're exceeding expectations without experiencing burnout. Okay, when's your vacation? <laughs> <laughs> right and, and we go it. through and we do we do we do all of that but from day one they're bought in and then the second thing is belonging right so first you get buy-in the second thing is belonging i build family oriented teams i never call them family but i build family oriented teams in the sense that we don't leave anyone behind from day one my team my reps are paired okay based on their wow. strengths and weaknesses so if someone's a crazy good cold caller, if someone's a crazy good closer, they're paired. If someone's a pretty, like a really good, uh, you know, uh, person on the demos and someone else is, you know, pretty weak on demos, but very strong on prospecting, they're paired. So I pair these people every year, every month, they're paired, right? So by month three, I had a high performing team, right? Wow. The gaps were already being closed, right? And it wasn't me doing it. They were doing it with each other. They go to each other's calls. They give each other feedback. They listen to each other's gone calls. And I'm also doing my coaching, right? So it's a 360 approach to building. So first you get buy-in, then you build belonging. Here's what happens when two people work together. They become friends, right? And now you have this, this camaraderie within the team. And the final thing is they don't want to let each other down. They don't want to let each other down. It's not even about me or the company or the quota. They don't want to let the person beside them down. And that's why we hit the quota quarter over quarter. It doesn't, we don't miss. 
because people I, are going, it's, it's, we're bought in and we belong here. I love this, these drivers of a successful environment. I think that's what I would call them. I hope it's okay if I call them that. I'm trying to put a label yeah, on of it course. because <clears throat> this is going to be like a video segment in Sales Leadership United, I'm sure, because I love this, these four things. You got to have a vision. I love your definition of a vision. Uh, that hitting goal without burnout is, is so clear and it's so compelling and there's really cool things in that. Buy-in is something I want to spend a minute in. If we can, I want to make sure I get these right, but I want to come back. Buy-in, and part of that buy-in is the creation of their own individual plan. I like how you said, here's my QBR. Here's my uh, Part of buy-in is creating an individual plan. If I understand you saying that the right way. Yeah. Then it's belonging, and I love how you partner. I got, I got questions about two and three. I want to dive into these. We're going to run out of time faster than I thought. <laughs> and then this concept of this, we don't let each other down. We win together. We don't just win alone. It's very unique. That's a that's a unique approach. That's that's something that you've done. That's something that you've built. And so I think there's a lot of people who will find that intriguing, because a lot of times it's so cutthroat. It's like, hey, I'm going to get mine. I hope you get yours. And like, I'd rather see everyone win. But as long as I win, I'm good. I've I've seen that in lots of organizations. You've probably seen that too, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. But this is way different, man. Is let let's go to buy in first, and then I want to I want to. I want to go a little deeper in buy-in and I want to go a little deeper in, in this belonging thing. Cause I think it's so interesting. And, and these four things, I can see how it creates high performers. I can see it. I can see it clearly. Any, I, I call your, what you call buy-in. I, I love it. I, I often call it as enrollment. Like they're signing up for growth, right. choosing growth over talent. It's I'm choosing growth over just effort. You know, I, I'm not a believer in, Hey, you know, more calls, more emails, more, more, more. I want to be more better. I don't want to be more busy. I don't want to be more active. I want to be more better. Yeah. And, and to me, that's what enrollment's about is it's not signing up to like kill yourself a little more. Right. Exactly. It's, it's signing up to say, I'm going to grow any advice to our, cause I, I have talked with a lot of coaches or a lot of leaders. And I say, we got to get, we got to get enrollment. We got to get buy-in. And sometimes people that haven't built an environment like yours, they come back and they say, Rob, I asked them, hey, what do you want to accomplish? What do you want to achieve? And they looked at me like, I just want to hit my quota. I'm going to do my best work. I'm going to cross my fingers and hope that it's good enough. That's not buy-in. That's not enrollment. And for people who aren't seeing the video, you're you got a big smile on your face. You're you're ready to go on this. You're you're ready to jump in on this one. Any advice on creating an environment where people actually enroll? I think that this is something that's super important. And I'd love to give some clarity on how you create enrollment. Yeah. Uh, when I was really young, I was listening to, I can't remember who it was, but um, this guy said, uh, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Right. Yep. Um, yep. And so when, when I go through like my one-on-ones initially, where, you know, what kind of rep do you want to be at all and stuff? The other thing I want to know is like, where are they trying to go in their lives? I know the intrinsic motivation of every one of my reps from, Oh, I want to retire my parents to, Oh, I want to buy my first house to, you know, oh, I want to, you know, settle in Canada permanently. Uh, I know the intrinsic motivation of every single one of my reps. And so the quota is the means to that goal. The sales job is a means to that goal. And because of that, once they know that I'm bought in on their dream, they buy in on this dream. So that enrollment must actually first come from the coach. 
to say, you need to enroll in the vision that they have and the dream that they have for their life. And if they know that you are bought into that, they will buy into this. How hard is it to build that being safe? I mean, you've built that. So like the people who you plug in, they're probably, I would imagine when you bring new people to your team, they're kind of blown away with that feeling of camaraderie and that, wow, because that, <laughs> yeah. that's unusual because I have seen people say, man, I really want them to tell me what they what they want. And they always look at me like I'm crazy. Like if people don't have what you have and they're trying to get there, is there like any steps that you would say, Hey, here's a couple of ways that you can create the environment where they'll feel safe and talking to you about that. Any, any thoughts yeah. on that? It's the law of reciprocity, right? Like um, if you're vulnerable first, they'll be vulnerable back. So when I come in, I tell them, listen, I want to retire my parents one day. I wanted to travel the world. I want to do all this, right? Uh, I want to get my health right. These are some of the things that I'm here doing and building, right? And then all of a sudden, there's this need for us, to, for them to want to reciprocate that. Well, since you're telling me what you want to do, well, here's what's really on my heart to do, right? So that's why I keep saying it's it starts with the coach, right? I come Leaders in. Leaders go first. Leaders exactly. go first. Yeah. Right. So I, I come in vulnerable and I tell them, hey, here's here's what I do. Here's how I lead. But also here are some of my big dreams. Right. I'm the oldest of three siblings. I'm paving away. I got my pair. I got my brother's school fees to pay for next year. So we got to hit our quota. But but really, here's what's driving me. Right. And in doing that, people will feel safe to say, well, listen, you know, my grandma's going through it. Right. Here's why I'm working. Right. And I have all the intrinsic motivations, right? So when things get tough, right, it's so much easier to go, hey, do you remember why you're here, right? And and that's what allows us to get that buy-in and then have that vulnerable, well, I mean, I don't know how many calls I've been on where these grown people that are, by the way, I'm I'm younger than half of my team, right? And so to be able to have these people come in, cry on a one-on-one -on -one because this is what's going on, and then still hit their quota that month because they know like, hey, I I have the backing of my coach, but we don't we don't miss, <laughs> right? That's really where it's like, you can't have an environment where people think it's okay to fail or that you won't back them if they do. You have to simultaneously create both of those where they, they understand like, hey, all this stuff is going on at home, but, I still have what it takes to hit my goal, right? Um, so I think it's it's complex to do. It takes a lot of people skills and man management to understand like what's going on behind the scenes. But yeah. if you'll start with vulnerability, they will feel safe enough to be vulnerable with you. I think that's, and and, and I think that if you do that with consistency, it's not a one-time thing. Exactly. Right? Yeah. But so they get used to it. They see it. That That's the only way they're going to see that it's authentic. And I think that's one of those key things for us as leaders. Moments of brilliance are nowhere near as powerful as consistency from leaders, right? 100%. And, and so I like that. I, I think that if you can be vulnerable first, that you can surround them with people. And, and, and so I, I love that. That's I think that's good for the, for the enrollment piece. I want to talk to this pairing and this belonging uh, I really love this idea that you pair someone from day one. Do you change the pairings from time to time based on the needs of the people? How how did you come up with that? And how, how do you how do you manage that? 
my boss one day went like, you know, we used to have these things called accountability buddies, you know, like, you know, someone to just keep you accountable. I thought that was great. Right. And one thing I know about accountability is that when there's friendship and, uh, you know, relationship there, it's actually easier to be accountable. Right. Because now you'll let them in on the stuff you usually hide. And so in building those pairings, what I started to realize was, okay, one if I can get somebody that's strong in one area to help somebody that's weak in that same area, but it's also beneficial for them because they have a weakness that the person is strong in, I can probably create better results. Right. And so to me, the pairing became more natural. I would just look at my eight reps. Okay. This person is really good at prospecting. This person is really good at this. Okay. Let's pair them up. Right. And because of those pairings, what started to happen was, people started to go, hey, I need help and not necessarily come to me first. All of a sudden, I opened up some of my calendar. Now I can go a little deeper on my coaching, right? And so it, it works in a way that is almost like a cascade, right? Like you build this camaraderie, the two are better than one. They put their heads together. They join their calls together. Somebody had a 12% win rate. They bring a second person. That person catches something they missed. Now they have a 14% win rate. One, the law of reciprocity kicks in. They want to help that person win. Now you got a 14% win rate on both sides, right? And they're getting Love it. better. Yeah. Better, you know? yeah. So it just keeps so like rolling. It fuels each other. Yeah. It, fuels it just each other. fuels each other, right? <clears throat> what do you do when someone doesn't want to choose growth? What do you do when people say status quo is good enough for me? What? Do you, how do you do that? Like, because that happens sometimes, I, yeah. especially with high producers, people that are already having success. Uh, it's, I found you've talked about coaching. I hope we have enough time. I can't believe we're down to our last 13 minutes. I've just gone <laughs> fast, brother. Like, what do you do? Cause I'm sure you've seen that. Like when you have people that like, Hey, I'm hitting my number, like status quo works for me. How, how do you keep people in growth mode? Any, any insights around that? So it's very hard for those people to stay mostly because even though you're doing well, you are now putting yourself in a position where you're out of place. Seven of the eight reps are bought in. You are the only rep that is not bought in. Mm. All of a sudden, the law of the pack kicks in, right? You either conform or you leave because you are unhappy with your role, right? I mean, you can keep hitting your number, but you're not going to love the team as much as the other guy loves the team, right? And so... I haven't actually come across that that often. And the places cool. where it's come across and I've had the conversation of, you know, someone going like, well, why should I help anybody? I just flip it around. You closed X number of dollars last month by yourself. But I listened to these six calls that you could have won. If you just brought somebody, your commission would have been higher. So you're losing by not actually buying in. <laughs> Right. I like so that. it's like you're not perfect. It's impossible. What best sales rep in the world has a hundred percent close rate? It's impossible. Right. So, so what you're, you're what you're focusing on is not where they suck. It's not, no, of course you're doing well. However, it could have been this. This is the this is like, yeah, I love that. So I, at least if I'm understanding, like, yes, you're doing fantastic. These are fantastic things. However, look at how much more it could have been if X, right? Yeah, I mean, I had a rep was, you know, close, I don't know, 800K, whatever it was, top rep. Doesn't want to, listen, it could have been a million. You missed these seven deals, it could have been a million. 
So the, the cool thing about growth is, you know, they say the biggest room in the world is a room for improvement. You can't be perfect. It's right. impossible, right? So even if you come to me like, I crushed my quota, I did this, I did this, I did this, unless you close the 100% of your book of business, you could have been better. And because of that, you can still work with somebody. It's still better, right? You have a 98% close rate, no problem. It could be 99. I really like that statement. The biggest room in the world is the room for improvement. That's that's awesome. <laughs> um, let's talk about your approach to coaching. Um, I want to, I want to, I, I got a couple things we'll finish with, but we have about eight, nine minutes. And so I want to, yeah. I'd love to get, you've mentioned your one-on-ones many times. And so on this show, sometimes we hit one-on-ones, haven't hit it for a little while. You've brought it up several times. What's your approach to creating one-on-ones that are high impact? Uh, I'm actually very poor with the structure of one-on-ones because when I'm in a conversation with my rep, right, there's three major things that we need to cover. Um, but not necessarily in any particular structure. So the first thing is what's going on in your life right now? Because, hey, oh, you're not hitting your number. You're not hitting your call metrics. You're not hitting this. If there's something going on behind the scenes, that conversation is irrelevant, right? So I remember there was one time my top performer was having a terrible month, terrible month. Going to the call, I could have started with, yo, your calls are low, your emails are low. I went, Dude, what is going on? Is everything okay at home? Like, well, actually, you know, two days ago, I got run into dealing with insurance all day, right? Struggling. I'm like, dude, take the day. Take the day off, figure it out. He did not miss that month. He missed like probably a week, right? But it was like, oh, I have the backing here. I'll come, I'll come in, I'll make up for the number. So the first thing is we got to figure out, okay. And I learned this from my last sales boss. This dude was in my life. To the point where when I got married, we didn't have a place to stay. He gave me his house. My boss gave wow. me his very expensive $4,000 or 4,000 square foot house. And when you can stay here for a week until you figure out, really, I'm going to go on vacation. I mean, to know that wow. that was what was on my mind while I'm doing my cold calls, that happened in a one-on-one, right? And I learned very something very important in that. And then the second thing we got to go through is you know, the job, right? Uh, pipeline. You know, I have a rep that tries to escape <laughs> and, and, and like, you know, we'll be having the one-on-one conversation and I know it's, you know, it's getting to 20 minutes and they're trying to escape and, you know, not talk to their pipeline. Maybe it's not clean or something. We go through the pipeline, maybe tell me about this deal. <laughs> tell me about this deal. Where is this deal? We got to go through it. Right. Uh, and then the final thing is, okay, where are you in terms of attainment? Right. So. What do we need to do? Do we need to ramp it up? Like what needs to happen there? But those three things have to get covered on, on one-on-ones. So we, we got to start with the person, still got to go through the job, go through the pipeline and still figure out, you know, what needs to change if we're going to hit our goal. But I can't say like I have, I mean, my boss has harped on me on it, like the structure, the stru- like I'm trying, <laughs> I'm trying, but I, you know, this, this is the work. What do you do when you see high performers or even high potential people that, they start to struggle. Any advice when you see someone that has either shows signs of brilliance or has been brilliant and they'll all hit slumps. Yeah, uh, of course. Any advice to leaders when that happens? 
Yeah, so uh, the first thing is I always reinforce my belief in them first. I picked you for a reason. Mm. I hired you for a reason. I think you could be one of the best sales reps here. And I say it because I mean it. I don't say it because I'm hyping them up. Here's why I picked you. You're incredible with people. So I start there. They're in a slump. I understand that. They're already going through all the negatives in their mind. Right? Um, but I want to reinforce that I know why they're there. And they are the best person for the role that I put them in. And then I go into, here's what is not going okay. Your calls are too low. Your pipeline is too small. And I start to go specifics. This call, this call. This, and we go as specific as possible so that they know that I'm not attacking them. I'm attacking the problem. And it's based on what you've observed. It's not just the numbers. Based on what I've observed. It's not yeah, just the numbers. I think those observational uh, situations, I think you've got to create moments of observation so people know that they're not just a number. I think that's massively important. So I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah. Um, last thing I'm going to ask you before we start rap, rap, winding this down, I, I knew this would go fast. It went faster than I thought. <laughs> oh, what a great, I love, I love your blueprint. What a great blueprint for creating top performers. Um, what's a realistic expectation? Like for a sales leader, you know, we've seen the numbers that, uh, at least in technology, you know, less less than it's less than forty percent last year of people hit their numbers last year. What is the right percentage? Like, what would you say uh, uh, is the right percentage of reps that hit goal? What What would you say a sales leader should be able to do? You know what? You know, we talked last year, and I had a number last year. You know, you and did now we're in year. this yeah. year. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, it, it's hard. It's hard. I, I said 80%. I said like, did. Listen, we, we should be going for an environment where 80% of people are set up to, to win. Um, I dropped that number to 50%. And the reason why is, is not because I feel like less people should be winning, but because the environment has changed so much, right? The people that I'm seeing win right now, either have insane work ethic or have insane people skills. And so in an environment where, where things are booming, it's easier for people to hit because the leads are coming in. The people are buying, the money is there, right? Even if the deal wasn't supposed to be won, it's won because somebody had the money, right? In a tougher environment, you have to start to actually go like, okay, what are the gaps that we're seeing now in these people and why are they not hitting, right? So I think like if, anything less than 50% of your reps are missing the, the target. I might be wrong, but there's probably something wrong with the target, right? Like, why, why are you there? Are you trying to force attrition? Like, you know, so um, I, I think like, that's where it really comes in. And, and I look at my team, my <clears> reps, <throat> if 50% of people are way behind, something's wrong. Dude, I can't believe we're down to our last minute or two. So I, uh, it went fast. This is fantastic. I, I love your insights. It's so great to hear your perspective. You're doing a bunch of things right now. Um, why don't you take a minute and, and tell our listeners how they can get more of you, what resources you have available, how they get a hold of them. Obviously, we'll put links in our show notes, and I hope that we'll have some people go check them out. How do they get more of you, and, and what are some of the things you have to offer right now? Yeah, so I... My LinkedIn profile is probably like my number one thing, right? All my thoughts and like little tidbits are there for free. I've passed over a hundred million views on my LinkedIn content since I started posting and just cool. getting it to as many people as I can. Um, and then we have three skills and we have 
free portals there where we have a, a newsletter podcast called paid in full uh, that we're rolling out this week um, or this this year and really it's just around helping people understand that you need to be maximizing your comp from your job your compensation from outside your job and then making sure you're fulfilled the whole way through or else you're just a miserable rich person you know um, and that's something else that I'm super passionate about is just making sure people finish the year fully paid and also fully fulfilled. Um, and then finally, I have uh, my founder's blueprint, which is something that I've built, um, you know, because of my LinkedIn, generate free traffic, generate sales. Um, and using LinkedIn as like a sales channel that is free, telling really good stories, build a funnel so that you can feed your team or, you know, feed your uh, lead gen. Um, so that's also on my LinkedIn profile. So I'm sure I'll, I'll get all the links to you so people can check those out. But I'm excited to to keep helping people this year. We'll we'll make that really easy uh, in the show notes to have links to all of those resources and, and you know everything you mentioned. We'll have we'll have there for them. Um, <clears throat> this went fast faster than I thought. It was insightful. I knew it was going to be fun. It was more fun and more insightful than I thought. I love your blueprint. What a great blueprint! Something everyone can use. You got a final thought for 50,000 listeners that are out there as, as they're going, like, as we record this, we're in February of 2023. You're right. It's a different year than it was last year. And there's a lot of pressure to succeed. Uh, leaders are facing different challenges. Reps are facing different challenges. Any final thoughts uh, to, to go home with? Yeah, I would, I would say like, this is my thought that I use as my, foundation for everything live like you're going to die tomorrow plan like you're going to live forever and yeah it, it has really really shaped how i go into conversations with reps how i build my career how i build my businesses right uh, we want to keep the future in mind execute as fast as we can on the present um, so however that helps you use it but uh, it's definitely helped me his name is toby oluwole um uh... He's helping create top performers all around the world with people that work for him, with people that are buying and, and subscribing to his content and his tools. Uh, he's making a difference in the sales community everywhere. Toby, this was a fantastic uh, conversation. I want to thank you for giving us an hour of your time. I want to thank you on behalf of 50,000 listeners that will be better off for having heard you. I want to wish you nothing but massive, wild success in everything you do. And as I say to everyone, happy selling. <laughs> thanks man thank you for having me hey everyone and welcome to another so what portion of the sales leadership podcast where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves why did that conversation even matter but first this episode is brought to you by sales leadership united listen it's 2023 and to achieve 2023 performance you're gonna need 2023 systems and don't make the mistake or fall into the trap of using systems from 2020 or from 2021, or even 2022. I found there are 12 systems every sales leader needs to keep current, and that's not easy. That's why having access to the largest collection of sales leadership assets in the world will be so important this year. I want you to think of Sales Leadership United as a Home Depot for sales leaders. You've got everything you need to take your sales leadership game up and create elite impact with those you lead. 
I'm talking about sales leadership systems, sales meeting systems, sales coaching systems, sales recruiting systems, sales forecasting systems, deal coaching systems, mindset coaching systems, proven frameworks that are ready for you to use immediately, video insights from this podcast with Toby and dozens of other elite sales leaders worldwide, a private podcast for members only and weekly updates on what I'm seeing other sales leaders use and do to create elite impact with the teams they lead. People join Sales Leadership United because of the depth of the sales leadership assets, but they stay because the tools remain so current, so relevant, and so immediately applicable. So don't reinvent sales leadership and don't go stale holding on to systems and tools of the past. You can find Sales Leadership United on Patreon. We get new, get, we get new uh, members every single week. Love, can't wait to see you there. And for less than the cost of lunch, you can invest in yourself in a way that will supercharge your sales leadership journey. Tap into sales leadership assets in ways you've never had available before. Use the tools, the trainings, and the techniques used by some of the most successful sales leaders in the world and check out Sales Leadership United today. Now, Toby's doing big things right now, and you're going to see him showing up all over the place if you haven't already, and rightfully so. I am super glad we got to get Toby on the show and talk shop about this important topic. Because when I first met Toby, he was really quick to tell me that his number one role, his number one point of emphasis was simple. It was to create top performers. Now, I thought this was interesting because I hear a lot of people talk about the importance of hiring the top performers. He doesn't go that route. He wants to hire good people, and then he wants to develop top performers. I, have, I find that fascinating because there's so much around, oh, man, you got to hire the top performers and then hold on to them. This concept of having the swag and the confidence that says, nope, I'm going to get the right people and then I'm going to develop them. There is a massive difference between these two roles, the role of hiring top performers or developing top performers. I want to ask each of you that's listening right now, can you develop top performers? Do you know how to develop top performers? Super good question to ask yourself. We've had a lot of people come in here and talk hiring, okay, and give us good blueprints. Toby came in here and talked about what you do when you get them. Okay, you're going to hire good people. What do you do when you get them? I have found that what you do with people is the big, big difference maker. And so I'm going to ask you again, do you have the ability to develop top performers? It's such a big statement to be able to say that. It's such a massive skill to have. But to be honest, I actually don't hear people saying that much. Like, Toby, that's why it got my attention because you don't hear it. Mostly you hear about people's ability to go find those people and get them to leave their jobs. Um, I hear people talking about hiring top performers a lot, that dropping them in your pool and then staying out of their way, enabling them the right way, celebrating them the right way, but getting out of their way. Um, I've heard a few bold statements from sales leaders. I could probably do a really fun episode on the boldest statements I've ever heard sales leaders make. One of the early ones I remember when I started working with sales leaders is I was at a sales kickoff and the, the sales leader got up in front of the team and said, when we hire someone to this company, we're hiring them to the last company they will ever join. And while they haven't been able to do that with every person, it's amazing what their person, their retention rate or their people was. Again, it shows you, you get what you chase. And that's what I think the theme of this conversation with Toby is. It's about what are you chasing? That was really interesting when I heard him say they're hiring someone for the last company they ever joined. But Toby's statement is in that realm. My job is to, is to build top performers, period. And that's why I think that this episode is as much about role as it is about how Toby fulfills that role. Listen, Toby's blueprint is 
massively important. I love it. I want you to go back and take notes on it. I want you to listen to it a couple times. I want you to save that episode. But the reason that I think he has so much success in it is because he's made it his role. What you think your role is will dictate what you think a high or a low value activity is. And that's going to dictate how you spend your time and the tools you choose to use. So I would challenge you to ask yourself, what is your role? What's the primary purpose of being in the job that you're in? Because how you answer that, that's going to dictate what it is you ultimately prioritize and more important, how you do it. And I have felt for a long time, there are three primary roles of a sales leader. Number one is the development of people. What we're talking about here is can we help them become the best version of themselves? To do this, you've got to be the collaborator. That's the role that you take on. That's the persona you take on. The alter ego is the dictator. The reason is you can't dictate what they will become. People have to choose what they're going to become. They have to choose what they're going to chase. They have to choose to aspire to something, to chase it. And once they've made that choice, then you have to make sure you do everything you can to earn their trust and allow them to put you on the chase team. I was in a one-on-one with a great sales, great leader today, and she has what I think is a lot of direct reports. She has 14 direct reports. And we talked about getting on 14 different chase teams today. What are we doing to get on 14 different chase teams? You need to be on the chase team for every person that you lead, okay? Um but your first priority should be the development of people, I think. Okay, that takes us to role two. Role two is the development of an environment, okay? And what I'm talking about when I say environment is developing an, entire, an environment where the motivated can thrive, not just survive. You're going to need to be able to plant a wide variety of people and professionals in the ecosystem you build and have them be able to thrive. You shouldn't have to hire uh, every time has every time it shouldn't be a very specific or highly specialized rep if you're good at this first role of development you should be able to get good people uh motivated people and be able to develop them so long as they are coachable and they are smart and they are motivated okay so you're kind of like a gardener i call this being an influencer not just an architect you know that's that's that role that you take on that persona you take on as the influencer because you're trying to have them influence and choose growth. So rather than being an influencer of likes and shares, like on social media, this is an influencer of behavior to get them to want to change their beliefs and behaviors voluntarily and willingly. And that's the jam. In order to do that, you cannot force these behaviors because ultimately your culture is made up of the behaviors that you allow to live and thrive in your environment. You can't dictate what those behaviors are going to be. That's why you got to be an influencer, not a dictator. You don't get to tell them what the behaviors are going to be. They have to choose to have those behaviors. So you've got to build an environment where those behaviors show up and they aren't just expected, but they're celebrated. And that takes me to role three, accomplishment. Here I'm talking about hitting the goals of the company. We're in a scoreboard-driven world, and the need for customer revenue is higher than it's ever been. And one of the most important things we can deliver to the company isn't just revenue. It's predictability and when that revenue is going to show up and what that revenue actually looks like. To do this, you're going to have to win with what you've got right now. You can't afford to wait. It's not going to be when I make a few more hires or when I get a few more tools or I get a little bit better training. You've got to win now. And that means that the ego, I mean, the uh, persona you take on is the strategist, not the alter ego. And the alter ego, I call it the hard worker. That's the person who grinds, shows grits, does the one more call, all those things. But it's only effort-based. We have to move past effort-based leadership. 
We have to help people win strategically with the tools they have. And that will springboard you back to that original role of development because you will have seen firsthand where each rep is in their own journey. And you can help them choose to be more better, not just more busy, not just more active, not more anything else. What you're going to be is more better. Listen, this conversation provided a killer blueprint to looking into the future and choosing where you're going to land, choosing and predicting who and what you'll become. I call this enrollment, signing up, buying in, but the simplest thing I can call it is chasing. Help each member of your team choose their chase, understand their chase, why they choose it, why it matters, what happens to their lives if they get it, what happens to their lives if they somehow don't. Chasing should be part of your environment because it is the fuel of elite salespeople and the fuel of elite sales leaders. They don't have to chase to be somebody's, we don't want to have the chase be somebody's best kept secret, okay? That shouldn't be like top secret. Toby's given a great blueprint on how to become this kind of leader. He talks about understanding the individual's beginning and what they want to become. He shares how to have conversations around vision and why it's so important. He shares how to help them choose growth. And while I believe that while talent's a gift, I will never lose uh, belief in the idea that growth is a choice. And I love Toby's insight that the biggest room in the, in the world is the room for improvement. There are so many powerful insights that Toby shares. I'm so grateful, Toby, for you for giving us an hour of your time. Thank you, my man. Thanks for joining the Sales Leadership Podcast. My advice to each of you that's listening today is to connect with Toby. Check out his resources. I've included several links for the resources that he have. The links to the three skills and the founder's blueprint are there for you to access immediately. And Toby has also launched a, news, a new newsletter called Paid in Full. Be sure to use the link that I put in the show notes to give it a look. It's packed with ways to help you find more fulfillment in your life. But please be sure to check out Toby's resources in our show notes. Use them. You'll be so glad you did. And then be sure to check out Sales Leadership United to get the video segments of the highlights from my conversation with Toby and, and several other sales leaders that, that you'll find extremely helpful. I will have several clips from this conversation that will be big leadership resources for you. Finally, thanks to each of you, our listeners. The greatest compliment you can give is to share the show with those you work with. Introduce them to Sales Leadership Podcast. Introduce them to the Sales Leadership United. Leave us a review of the show on iTunes. And you, you can always support the show by, by checking out Sales Leadership United. Head to Patreon. Check it out. You'll be glad you did. Thanks for your support of the show. Our job as sales leaders is to create life-changing years for the people that you lead. And if you like this message, please share it this week with someone who needs to hear it and then get after it. Do your best work. Live your best life. Be elite. Live strong, chase your passions, and maximize today. And don't ever forget that you got this and I got you. Have a terrific week. Thank you so much for joining the Sales Leadership Podcast, the award-winning sales leadership podcast for those sales leaders looking to create legendary impact to those they lead. The greatest compliment you can give is to share this show and any of your favorite episodes with your fellow sales leaders, social media followers, or other communities you're part of. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. If you want to discuss any of the topics discussed on the show, want to level up your leadership impact, discuss executive coaching services, or even include me at an upcoming event, hit me up at rob at jetpg.com. That's rob at jeppg.com. 
And to those of you working to become a legendary sales leader, I salute you and wish you much success on your journey. Whenever you need someone in your corner, you know where to find me.